been great. Thank you so much for well, having us here. Well, and this is a really important time of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're all, you know, Merry Christmas to each other. Right. We're happy Thanksgiving. We're uh, trying to encourage one another. But there's so many people that are feeling differently mm-hmm. than our well wishes want them to feel. And that's why I think it's important that you guys are doing what you do. Uh, the Grief Center is helping a lot of different people. Do we have Christina yet? Not yet. Well, we'll keep working on on Christina. Um, we have our our production team working hard on that. Um, I think she has called in. We've got something that we've done wrong on that side. But okay. Susie, while we're waiting uh, to connect with Christina, I want to ask you about the Grief Center. If you could give us a little history, that would be great for our listeners. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I know that um, I've been on the program before, and so some of the listeners may be familiar with our nonprofit organization here in Albuquerque. But we started back in 2001 um, as the Children's Grief Center. And that um, occurred because there was a death of a teenage son of somebody who is a therapist. And Mm -hmm. they could find support groups for themselves as parents and adults in the community. But for their other son, their surviving son, there wasn't anything available for him. Mm-hmm. And so they knew that there was this gap in the community that needed to be filled. And so they got together with some other folks um, who are, were volunteers as well as therapists, and they formed the Children's Grief Center. And so uh, we started off with like 38 participants, and it was all volunteers, and it was held in a school, and it just continued to grow from there um, into where we are today as the Grief Center. And the reason why we are now the Grief Center is because um, our program shifted to um, not only just serving children and their caregivers, but now we do help adults who don't have children in the program. Well, and and we're going to get to some of this in more detail. Um, I'm going to have you write that down for me. Um, okay. As, as I'm talking, you can write that down because I, I want to get that uh, over to Tayshawn and, and, and let him try to connect with Christina. Um, unfortunately, we occasionally have some, some issues, but, uh, you know, we'll try to get that straightened out okay. as quickly as we can and she'll join us. So, I'm imagining that you, you just used an example as somebody who lost a son. Yes. And you could have lost that son last year sometime. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Christmas time, it's yeah. just the feelings and the emotions and they're they're brought back, the, the missing them. And it really does create trauma, doesn't it, in terms of grief? Well, you know, I think we all have personal stories about um, thinking about the people who are no longer with us during the holidays. I know myself, um, the holiday time is really hard. My mom uh, died 20 some odd years ago and she loved the holidays and would just totally decorate the whole house. So for me, getting into that holiday spirit and putting up decorations has always been really hard and also very triggering because it makes me think of her, which also then, I don't know why we go to the place of being sad, but I get sad. And so we know that this time of year is impacting people who have lost a loved one, and um, they may not always feel comfortable talking about it. And 
we want to be able to provide them with that space where they can kind of share a little bit about what's going on and how they're feeling and that it's okay to not necessarily participate in a lot of activities and Mm -hmm. they can call the shots in a way. Um, And so, yeah, uh, it's a really difficult time of year, but people can get through it and it's normal. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. Yeah. It's normal. I like that. Uh, Sounds like we have Christina now. Hi, Christina. This is, this is Jim and Susie with you. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Hey, Christine, I want to make sure your your last name is Thies. Did I pronounce that correctly? Correct. All right. Hey, we got it right. <laughs> you got uh, it. <laughs> Christina is the program manager for the Grief Center. And of course, as I've already mentioned, Susie Blake, their development director, is in studio with me. Uh, Christina, we're so glad you could you could join us. And and this question really is for both of you. I want you to tell us a little bit about. Uh, the different services that the grief center provides because you do a lot to encourage people um okay christina Um, do you want to go go first susie or do you (laughs) want me to jump in go right ahead christina (laughs) okay so um there are two program managers i'm one of them and veronica is the other and we offer uh grief support groups who for anyone who has had a death in their family or close circle Um, These groups meet twice a month from September through May. We work with ages three all the way through adults. And it's a rolling roster, which means that people can join at different times of the year. And outside of the support groups, we also offer workshops, uh, webinars, and our grief-centered camp called Camp Corazon that we do in the summer for ages 7 through high school. That's really neat. And I understand you actually have a library, too. Is that part of your new facility so people can get information they can read about handling grief? Yes. One of the things, when people call in to ask about our services, we also let them know we have this library. Whether they're going to join one of our support groups or not, uh, we also have counselors, therapists, people who might want to come in and see what books we have based on different age groups and also depending on the type of death. So that's open. We're open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5, and people can come in and just kind of take a look. We have a little bit of an antiquated way to check out books, but we do it. We do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm actually really interested in what you just said because I know that there's a lot of people, like we're, we're on the campus of, of Calvary Church, uh, in Albuquerque, um, there's a lot of pastors and other people. I think, I think a lot of pastors are are now recon- more recognizing um, real trauma and mental health mm-hmm. issues and different things. So they're not they're not trying to provide the end all be all to everybody. They're they're wanting to refer people to people that have expertise in these different areas, which you guys would be one. Uh, but it sounds like some of the resources might be available to them too to maybe do some research if they're, you know, they have somebody like like for example, a lot of people don't know this, but Calvary Church um, does a lot a lot of funerals for people that don't go to church mm-hmm. here, and it's mainly because the facility is made available to them uh, without them having to pay for it, um, and that's okay. one of the we're one of the few churches that do that. And there's just a lot of people they've listened to Skip Heitzik on the phone or they've done so. They they have the funeral arrangements made, but they're still dealing with the grief 
that the family has from the loss of the individual. So it's really neat. Um, let me let me ask another last question for this segment and then we'll take a break and come back. Mm-hmm. We're going to have you guys for the whole hour. Hope right. you don't mind being being with us that long. But um, let me ask you as a development person, do you go out, Susie, and talk with churches and businesses and other people about what you do so that you, you make the awareness of what you do more available? So I do do, um, I do go out. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily talk a lot to churches. Okay. That has not been a group within the community that we've reached out to. Um, We, I do talk to Rotary Clubs, you know, civic organizations, the Kiwanis. Um, I do talk with businesses and about our services and also just about the fact that we need financial support to be able to, you know, provide these services for free. Um, But we are always trying to encourage people to, come and learn more about us by coming for a tour of the Center for Hope and Healing. So that was, you know, that's our new facility that we opened up about a year or so ago. And by coming to the, by coming for a tour, they get to actually see what we provide. And then uh, where's the center? It's at 4125 Carlisle Boulevard, Northeast. So it's between Montgomery and Comanche. Um, and when they come to the center, they get to see what what happens there. I mean, they're not coming while we're doing groups. Sure. But um, they just have the opportunity to learn more about what we do provide. And it's important, like, for businesses to know about our services because their HR department could be having people who are, you know, employees who have experienced a death and they're looking for a resource to help that employee with. Yeah, and what an amazing thing for an employer to point somebody. Not only is the employer going to be expressing, you know, personal condolences and providing mm-hmm. time for that person to, you know, grieve, but for them to actually be doing something productive through the grieving process. Yeah. And and the fact is is that there's there's a lot a lot of people, maybe more than we we would hope that are not involved in any kind of community. Right. You know, they're for some reason, COVID just, it, it, the isolation continues for so many people. Mm-hmm. And it'd be really neat to get people involved. And that's why we want to let people know about the Grief Center. Um, so your facility is open for tours. And, and you talk about that uh, a little bit when you make these presentations. Um, do you get a lot of response from like uh, the Kiwanis Club? In fact, I think I just saw... Uh, something on one of the news channels. Uh, uh, there was a recent death, and they mentioned the grief center as being a place that you could contribute to um, in lieu of flowers. I mean, I, I'm seeing yeah. that more and more. Yeah. Um, so we have a great, you know, relationship with a lot of civic organizations in the community, and because we know that we're reaching a large audience when we talk to those different groups, um, and so when it comes to like being able to come down for a tour. We love to have people schedule that in advance um, so that we can make sure that we have the time set aside for them to actually come and look around. And uh, we're happy to do small groups as well. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna take a break a couple minutes early. And the reason I wanna do that is um, you had kind of introduced Susie before we had Christina on the line. And again, our fault, Christina. Sorry about that. Um, but you're you're a trooper. No to be worries. patient with us. Um, 
I, I want to come back and I want to start talking about grief during the holidays because it's almost like any loss that a person has experienced this year or 20 mm-hmm. years ago, like Susie right. said about your mom. By the way, I lost my mom at Christmas in 2021. Um, and I, I kind of have the opposite feeling. I like to do at Christmas what she did for us. And it makes me actually feel good about it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of fun. So different people handle things differently. And we're going to talk about that in our next segment. So stay with us on ABQ Connect. Uh, I'm I'm with Susie Blake, the development director, and Christina Thies. She is the program manager for the Grief Center. We'll be back right after these messages. Yes, thank you for joining us, ABQ Connect. I am Jim Williams. I'm sitting in. Steve Ryman will be with you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. And I so much appreciate you joining us here um, I'm with Susie Blake. She's the development director. She's in studio with me uh, with the Grief Center. And Christina Thies is the program manager uh, for the organization. It is a nonprofit. If you have any interest in finding out more about this as we're talking, uh, please write this phone number down, 505-338. Oh, I'm giving my phone number. That's not right. Uh, yeah, you don't need my phone number. I'm going to give you the right number, 505-323-0478. Or you can go to griefnm.org. Correct. Nonprofit organization, Susie, uh, contributions are tax deductible. Mm-hmm. And you don't charge your clients, though, when they come in for help, do you? Nope. Um, our services are offered for free because when somebody dies, we know that finances are uncertain and we don't want to have any barriers for them to be able to come in and, and get some support. Yeah, and, and I want to appeal to our audience. The people the people who listen to the station don't use this as background noise. They want to be involved. They want to be involved in people's lives and, and they, they are generous. And I think that, at least I've not ever received any we have a lot of nonprofits and we talk about giving and we talk about the support. But the reason we do that is because people can take this information and make a decision about, you know, where they want to give. And I only really like to invite organizations that are really open about what they do and mm-hmm. how they do it. And so I think this is what I would call real service to people. You're you're involved in their lives, you're committed to their lives and, and providing mm-hmm. a really uh, needed service. Uh, Christina, I want to start with you this, this segment. And I, we, Susie kind of alluded to, uh, the holidays kind of heightens emotions about grief. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and why it's, uh, even more important for you guys to be around during these days during the holidays? Sure. Uh, so it's interesting that both you and Susie, um, were talking about the loss of family members and how it affected you differently. And that's something that we have to be really inclined to listen to. Um, Emotions already run high during the holidays. We're expected to be cheerful and be in this holiday spirit. And that can be really challenging after a death. Um, We talk a lot to our participants about, about making plans but keeping them loose so that if somebody needs to back out because they're not feeling up to it that that's okay yeah it can be this can be a really challenging time and not only for people who've had a recent death but even because of the state of the world there's a lot of suffering and loss around the world and i think that's impacting people as well 
You know, you're you're really right. In fact, this war in Israel, I know so many people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I know some people that are, are of Arab descent, Israeli descent. You know, both sides of the coin, and they're feeling right. the same. Uh, in fact, I, I, a couple of people that I know, and I don't want to give their names because I don't want their communities to be like mad at them, but they're fellowshipping together to talk about this thing. And, and I, that's what I love about America. That's what we should be doing with each other is we should be consoling one another and praying for one another and encouraging one another. Um, so, um, Tell us a little bit more uh, about your groups. You mentioned groups meet uh, starting at age three and up. And I didn't, I don't know if I've ever thought about a three-year-old grieving. Uh, but I, I, now that I think about it, boy, that would be traumatic to lose a parent or somebody that you were really close to if you're that young. Right. So our, our groups are split up when it comes to kiddos. We have a preschool group that's about three to five-year-olds, and then we have littles, middles, tweens, and teens. All of those groups uh, are within that age group. Those participants could have had the loss of a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a friend. Um, So it's a little bit of a mix within those groups, but they are because we want to keep them based on age. And then our adult groups are more specific to who has died, whether it was a spouse or partner, it was a child, it was a sibling or a parent, um, and even some of the more complicated deaths. But we try to make sure that participants are within a group that might be in similar shoes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I want to go back to the example Susie has thoughts about her mom passing away 20 Mm -hmm. years ago during this time. I lost my mom at Christmas just two years ago. Um, I'm not a therapist. I'm not one of those friends that would ever say, oh, well, Susie, you should do this. One, I don't know you well enough to give you any (laughs) counsel. Um, But I am the kind of person that, you know, I come from a coaching background. So I'd probably grab Susie if I knew she was really down and say, hey, Susie, we're going to go hike uh, across the bottom of the Sandia Mountains on on the east side of Albuquerque and take a good two hours to do that. It's almost like I feel like uh, where you have these beautiful surroundings and you're giving a little physical effort, it, it just changes your perspective on stuff. Maybe, maybe it's, I don't know, uh, Working out always helped me a lot when I was feeling depressed. Does that, any of that stuff ever encourage you, Susie? Um, sometimes it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what we want to what we want to help people do is to find what it is that could help them feel okay mm-hmm. um, during the holidays, and that it's all right to have a voice in expressing themselves about what their wishes are. Um, And so, you know, not to put on a brave face. Yeah. And also, you know, try not to isolate yourself too much. Um, But just to try, but it's, but to know that it is okay to say, no, I can't be there. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's also great for people who are inviting someone who is grieving for them to acknowledge the fact that I know that this can be a really hard time for you. We would love to have you come, but we understand that if you don't want to, it's okay. 
where you can participate in this way. So not only just how do you help somebody who's grieving in the holidays because they've experienced a death, but what about the people who are close to them and want to include them and how can they support that grieving person during the holidays yeah uh christina here's a question for you i mean right now you're you're on a christian radio station largely talking to people of faith not everybody Mm -hmm. but but a large portion of them so i'm I'm imagining that there's people of faith that uh may have taken what we said earlier this is a time where you're supposed to be a certain way you're supposed to have joy you're supposed to have you know you're Mm -hmm. celebrating the birth of christ or you know, you're celebrating Hanukkah or, or whatever your faith position is. And so maybe in the communities that you're with, you don't feel the joy that they are celebrating. You feel grief, you feel depression and this and that. So you might feel more free to go to the grief center and actually tell people how you feel. Would you say that's one of the things that might be true about the services you offer? Absolutely. I have, so at the end of every semester, we do feedback forms for our participants. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the feedback we get is usually, this feels like a safe place that I can really give my honest opinion about what is happening in my grief. And we try to remember, you know, the word and is a great word in our vocabulary. We try to remind them, you can feel joy and pain. Mm. You can be grateful and resent something. And that sometimes those feelings, you need to allow them to wash over you, be in them, feel them. Um, But in the group, as people build relationships with their fellow participants, they really can be honest about what they're struggling with and not feel judgment. Mm. Um, one of the examples in the notes that Susie provided me is that family members can experience different emotions separately. So if Susie yeah. and I are brother and sister and we're missing our mom differently or, or thinking about our mom differently, could we participate in a group together to kind of express those emotions? Uh, no, actually, we keep family members in separate groups. Now, see, that I, and, that's why I wanted to ask the question. Yeah. The the whole reason we do that is so that you have a space where you're not trying to be strong for another family member. Ah. Maybe you're upset with another family member because you're grieving differently. So it is really important to have that safe place. And, you you know, we, we make sure family members come on the same night. So you might all be coming together, but each of you has a different group. Oh, cool. And your new facility kind of accommodates all this because you got to have several rooms to meet, right? Yes. We run about nine groups each night that we have groups, and that's three days a week, every other week, about. And then we run some daytime groups as well. And refresh us. I know this sounds redundant, but remind us that there is this is all provided at no charge. Yes, absolutely. But we all know things are not free. Susie Blake is the development director uh, for the Grief Center. Susie, your job really is to help fund these things so that you can provide these services for free. Um, There's utility costs. There's cost of your employees. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. Correct. Um, So... 
you know, we need, we, for 20 years, we were all over the community and rented and borrowed spaces. And we just knew that it was time for us to have our own space. And by having our own space, we now do have the, the extra costs of like utilities and, um, you know, just the basic expenses of running sure. a 12,000 square foot building. It's a large space. Um, but, you know, the community has been really wonderful in supporting us. And that support comes from individual donors. It comes from businesses. It comes from foundations. It comes from um, special events that we do, like our Healing Hearts in February. We also have um, some what we call earned income opportunities. So in our space, we have eight offices that are being leased by um, individual therapists or other nonprofit organizations. And so that helps to generate some income as well. So um, we try to have a diverse pool of resources so that if something were to ever happen, um, that we're not gonna, like a pandemic, um, we know that we have a variety of different revenue streams that can help support the services. So if somebody listening right now wants to make a donation, they can go to griefnm.org. Mm -hmm. Getting to the giving tab is probably fairly easy. Yep. Donate. Donate. But there's other people that, you know, in a one hour program, they are not going to learn all they need to know about the grief center. So can they call you? Certainly. As Christina mentioned earlier, our business hours are from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. So they can always give us a call at 505-323-0478. I would also encourage them, if they're uh, going to the website, to check out our services tab. There's a wonderful video on there about some of our uh, former clients and the impact that the Grief Center had for them. Um, and then there's just a variety, and there's some different resources, and you can also see where where we have all of our different events. And Christina mentioned workshops, and all of our workshops are mentioned are are listed on that event tab as well, so people can join us that way. Okay, that that's fantastic. I am. Uh, we have Christina Thies. She's the program manager for the Grief Center. She's on the phone with us today throughout the program, and in studio I have Susie Blake, their development director. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about having a plan. If you're grieving, if you have some, let, let you know, put together a plan. We're going to talk about that mm -hmm. and how to handle some of this because this isn't just going to go away, but it might. And, and, it, and it's going to be easier to get through it if if you take some of these techniques and, and some of these processes and and internalize those and, and go through this. So we'll be back uh, on with the Grief Center and talking more about the holidays and not how you should feel, but how you do feel. Correct. And doing some things about that. We'll be back on ABQ Connect right after these messages. Susie Blake, the development director for the Grief Center, is in studio with me. And Christina Thies, uh, program manager, is on the phone with us. Christina, you're a trooper being on the phone with us. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to start with you this segment and talk to you about um, grief during the holidays. And I mentioned before the break that, you know, we're really talking to people about how you really feel, not how you should feel. And you talked about in the notes that you've provided me having a plan to address some of this. What does that mean? So in the perfect world, we'd love to have a checklist of how to do grief during the holidays. 
but we know that doesn't exist since everyone grieves differently. And so what we do in our groups or even in workshops is we talk to people about trying to create a plan for your holidays. And that looks a little bit like determining whether or not you want it to look the same or if you need to really change things up. So if somebody is grieving and they have children, we talk to them about what do they think they want the holidays to look like? Who might be there if they always hosted? Uh, what might happen? And what might come up when you're with people? And we do the same thing for individuals who maybe have lost a spouse or partner and maybe their children live far away or they don't have children, is coming up with a loose idea of what might help you get through that day. Christina, this is a weird question. It's not on our list. Actually, I have two. That's okay. Um, you just mentioned losing a partner. What if you lost a partner just because of like a breakup and not a death? Could you still come to the grief center? Our services are specifically for after the death of okay. someone. Okay. Well, and I, I just know that there's a lot of people... Um, I remember when I got divorced, uh, and, and, and I had a lot of support from the church and my friends and, and other people, and uh, that is a process. So the second part of my question is, if you actually go through a process of grieving, like like Susie's told me, she's a little sad, lost her mom, but she, it mm -hmm. seems like she's dealt with it. So it's not, the grief is not controlling her life. So my question is, if you go through a process where some people haven't maybe for 20 years, and so they're still captured by it, is that, the, is that a good word? Are they maybe getting choked yeah, by it? Yeah, I think that's still? a great Okay. So tell me, do you, do you help people get free from this grief? Ooh, and, and when I say free, a... <laughs> I, don't mean, I don't mean it goes away. I know you never forget. But right. you got to get to a point where it's not taking over your life. Like, for example... I know a lot of people have a plan to go home and drink three glasses of wine and kind of wash away their sorrow. And if you're doing that every day, that can't be healthy. Correct. So, you know, we, our participants come at different times after their death. It could be a week after, it could be 10 years after. So for people who maybe have not sat in it as much, mm -hmm. um, it could still feel like a very new feeling to them. And so I don't think that there's a timeline. And I also believe that if you have one good holiday or birthday of the person who died, it doesn't mean that the next one won't be challenging. Mm -hmm. So every year could look different and if you have kiddos, they're still very excited about opening presents and having time with their family. That might look different for a spouse who's trying to put on the brave face for their kiddos. So we try really hard to just, again, this plan, this grief in the holidays, we do a workshop. We just had it at the end of November. We do it every year. And some of the same participants come because different things bubble up. Mm. And so we want to make sure that even though 
a plan might work for you this year, it may may need to be changed up next year, just like holiday traditions. You know, which ones do you want to keep? Which ones bring you comfort? Um, Do you want to make new traditions? And having that conversation with everyone in the family uh, could be tricky. Somebody might really want to make grandma's favorite cookie recipe, and it's too hard for somebody else. So giving people the ability to say, no, uh, I don't really want to bake this season, but I'm okay if you guys do it. Just being very compassionate in your, your needs and the needs around you. I'd probably lose some of my loved ones if I tried to bake the way my mom used to bake. They would not ever talk to me again. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Yeah. Uh, no, but I do miss that. I mean, my mom used to make these incredible rolls, uh, dinner rolls, mm-hmm. that you just grab out of the pan and eat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've never had the any baker touch. I'm not a bad cook, but for some reason, baking is beyond my abilities. I don't know sifting flour and doing all the right measurements. I don't think I have an attention span long enough to do that. But uh, I do appreciate some of my kids have taken up that ball and Mm -hmm. and, uh, do a really good job with that as well. Susie, does any of that kind of stuff trigger you now? Um, You know, there, yeah. We all have wonderful family memories. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm actually trying to hunt down a version of uh, a German holiday baked good that my grandmother would make. Oh. And um, just because I I've been, I enjoy it, it was the one time of the year that we would get it and she would make it. And so it's very special. Um, but I think that, I, that it's something to remember is, is that if, if a family chooses to maybe not do a, a tradition, it's not that, it doesn't mean that they're, they love the person less. Mm. I think sometimes it's it's good to also look at what are some different things that the family can be doing that's new um, as well. Well, well you'll so, think this is silly, but I'll give you an example. So my mom, she used to make a Thanksgiving turkey, and then she'd make a Thanksgiving or a uh, turkey for Christmas, Christmas turkey. Right. Almost the same meal. And I kind of got turkeyed out because you know how you have sandwiches and soup and all of that stuff. Uh, I, I kind of need turkey maybe in January, not not again in December. So I decided just uh, a couple years ago, my mom had died at 21. So uh, the following Christmas in 22, uh, I, I made a prime rib. You know, I bought an eight rib roast mm-hmm. and, I, and I made a prime and uh, it was just amazing. And all my kids loved it. And so I think that's kind of becoming a tradition. Right. And you're still together. You're still yeah. around the table. Um, you're probably still remembering your mom. Yeah. Um, it's just that it's a little bit different. Yeah. And and I do, in the notes here, you've said family members grieve differently. So I'm not sure that I was sensitive to how my five children were grieving over their grandmother or their grandfather. I just, I lost my dad uh, just in May of this year. And so I, I've been more sensitive with my dad uh, because the kids have been more able to verbalize what they were thinking about grandma mm-hmm. and grandpa. So I handled grandpa a little differently than I did grandma. So 
uh, yeah, that's really important. And, and family members, again, can go get help with any of this at griefnm.org. The phone number to uh, the Grief Center is 505-323-0478. I'm in studio with Susie Blake, the development director, and on the phone with Christina Thies. She's the programming manager uh, for the organization. And Christina's... Um, She's a multitasker. She's uh, running the organization and talking with us on the radio. So you've got a lot. And I haven't heard anybody coming in your office asking you to sign anything, Christina, while you've been on the radio with us. Did you say stay away I, from I do me? have a do not disturb sign on my door right now. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, that's funny. That, that's funny. But I, I always admire how people are uh, multitasking because this is probably a really busy time. It's It's a busy time with your services and people that need help, but it's also a busy time with giving. Right. And uh, tell us how simple it is, Susie, to give to the organization. It's really simple. Um, if people are um, able to make a donation online, it, all, it is very secure. They can go to griefnm.org uh, and go to the donate button, and there'll be a few different questions that you'll be asked. Um, you know, what amount do you want to give? Do you want to handle the processing fee? Because there are credit card fees that usually go along with it. And then just your contact information. Um, if people want to make an ongoing gift, we have what's called our circle of hope. And that's a monthly uh, donation. And that is a great way to be able to support the organization and our services. Um, because that provides sustainable funding for us. Susie, can you give a gift in the name of somebody? Absolutely. There's um, an in tribute um, section, so they can do it either in memory or in honor of. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Christina, last question for this segment is, how would you uh, do activities during this time of year that honor the person that you've lost? I know you have some creative ideas about that. Sure. Uh, one of the activities we do is we wrap a box to look like a present and we put slips of paper in it so that different family members can write a memory of the person that has died. And then when you're opening presents, everybody can read the different messages that were written. I think that's a great way, you know, it could change each year. Like, Write one of your favorite memories. Write one of your favorite stories they told you. Uh, what's something funny about this person that still makes you laugh? I think the memory box is a really great idea for when you have multiple people that are gathering. Um, you could also create a placemat and put it on the table for your meal and have photos of people who have died in the past that you want to make sure are still part of your meal or tradition. There are things outside of our organization. You know, people have created quilts out of T-shirts or stuffed bears out of um, flannel shirts. And there's lots of different ways that you can memorialize someone just by Googling. But we also like the tradition of creating a luminaria or a memory candle. Living in New Mexico, I think luminarias are very popular, and it's nice to be able to maybe have everyone decorate a bag about somebody specifically that they want to memorialize. There might be more than one loss, so we want to make sure. 
anyone can include who they are feeling they want to memorialize. That can be a pet, that can be a friend, that can be a loved one. So, I, lo- I love that. You know, having, having those opportunities, like crafting is not always easy for people, but I will say one of the things that we see here is when you get people at a table working at something, they tend to talk and open up and, and share stories more than if they're just sitting in a circle staring at each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I just like, do a lot of the people that attend your groups, do they have a tendency to stay in touch? I mean, are there friendships developed in those groups and that kind of thing? Absolutely. So since our groups run from September through May and we take a break in the summer to do different workshops and have our camp, at the end of the semester, we usually ask people, if you want to stay in touch, please exchange phone numbers or emails We ask them to do that on their own because we don't want anybody to feel pressured to do that. But I have seen many times come back in the fall groups that are like, oh, yeah, we went to so-and-so's grandson's soccer game, and we went to this concert, and we went to lunch. So I do think that bonds are formed very strong outside of our groups. We're just kind of the starting place for that. I love that. We're talking Mm -hmm. about grief during the holidays today on ABQ Connect. We have one more segment with Susie Blake and Christina Thies. I hope you'll stay with us. We'll be right back. I am going to start this segment by saying Merry Christmas to everybody. But I'm in the same breath going to say, look, if you're not feeling merry, uh, we kind of get it. And we're talking about grief during the holidays Mm -hmm. uh, with Susie Blake and Christina Thies. They are with the Grief Center. Uh, Susie is the development director and uh, Christina is the program manager. Uh, Christina, I'm going to start with you this segment and ask you how we should support somebody if you know they're grieving this holiday season. Sure, yeah. This this question comes up a lot for us. Um, I think one of the most important things to do is to stay in touch, uh, even if that's just texting someone a heart, um, asking them if they need anything, And when I say that, I I ask people to be specific because I think it's very hard for people to to be specific about what they need. So it might just be like, hey, we're going to have some time off. Would you like to grab lunch? Uh, Do you need any creamer? I'm at the store. You know, would you like to go to the library with me? Throwing out some options sometimes will help somebody get some clarity as to what they need. And then when it comes to if you're having any sort of gathering, making sure that you still invite them. I think sometimes death makes people nervous about, you know, is somebody just going to be the downer at a party? And, And that's when they need people the most. They may not commit to coming. They may say they're going to come, and then they don't show up. And and I think we need to remember it's really okay for people to change their minds. They have really good intentions when they say, yes, I'm coming to your gathering, and then the day of, they may not be able to get out the door. And we see that even in our groups where as much as they know the group is going to help them, maybe they just had a long day and now they're just not ready to participate. So just being conscious that they might change their mind, and and we should be okay with that. Okay, Christina, you're talking to an old coach here, 
And I want to say, <laughs> I, I understand the compassion that you are explaining that with, but in the same breath, people do need to get out, don't they? I mean, talk to me about yes. that person that right now is listening that has avoided going and seeing their friends for three months. Mm-hmm. Can't we say to them now, please go be with somebody? Please call the grief center. Please go just talk about what you're feeling. I mean, at some point you have to do that, don't you? Yes, but I think that sometimes as people who are supporting grievers, after three months, we may stop inviting. And that's why I say, keep inviting people. At some point, they just might be ready and change it up, especially for somebody who may be alone. You know, would you like to go for a walk with me in the Bosque? Hmm. Um, would you like to go by the to way, that is re- that is really you? nice, by the way, because I do yeah. it all the time. It's really nice. Right. And you don't have to talk for people who are supporting people who are grieving. Just being there is so important and saying, like, why don't we take like you said, why don't we take a walk in the foothills and we don't have to talk. But I will listen if you feel like talking. Ooh, I love that And statement. just that, yeah, it's so important for people to know they have someone, but you're not going to probe them about getting over their grief or, you know, you've been doing this long enough. Uh, we don't, we tell everyone there's no timeline and you might be doing better, and then you might take two steps back because you're coming up on a hard day, maybe their birthday. So we like to make sure that people know when you're supporting a griever, invitations are great to different things. And and making sure that, like you said, if they are isolating, can you be creative in finding new things? Is that invert, inviting them to... Um, a Christmas service? Is it inviting them to, you know, maybe they don't want to ring in the new year. That can be a really tough time as well. But maybe they're willing to grab lunch the following week. And you can check in on them and say, you know, I've been thinking about you and I just, I, I would really like to know how your holidays were. And be prepared to to hear the hard parts and listen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Um, let me give you a, a bad example again, using myself. Um, <laughs> I'm going to mention the Roberts family, very close friends of mine. Uh, when my pa- dad passed away in May, um, they called very diligently for a month or so. How you doing? What's going on? Can we bring you anything? And then all of a sudden, you know, I was always blowing them off. Like I love them and I want to see them, but I didn't really mm-hmm. feel like talking about it. But then all of a sudden I have a, food basket at my house that was really thoughtful but they just brought it they were just going to do stuff whether i said okay or not and i will say to you right now i i'm thinking about that because i was stimulated to do so by your statements and i just really appreciate them because i know they're there for me no matter what Mm -hmm. right yeah what wonderful friends yeah, and they weren't going to necessarily wait for that invitation. And I can tell you, they are exactly what you just described. They are <laughs> going to keep inviting and keep letting you know reaching they're out. there and they're reaching out and they don't ever give up. So that tenacity and that friendship is is really appreciated. So think about that as we ask the question, 
uh, to start the segment, what can you do to support somebody that's grieving over the holiday? And by the way, your suggestion to go to services, here's something that uh, my daughter loves to do. There's a program and, and it just, the performances were this weekend, but there's a neat Christmas program called Christmas Joy. It's the presentation of the birth of Christ in ballet form. And it is just spectacularly beautiful. They do at the uh, Hispanic Cultural Center, and and they had two shows on uh, Saturday and then one on Sunday, and it, it really is special. And people, my daughter, like, will invite six of her friends to go and buy their tickets, and she just does amazing things with these these young women. And I know some of them have grieving families and things, so that was really encouraging. I was thinking about that as you were talking about it. Um, if you're alone over the holidays, and I'll ask both of you this, what should you do? If you're, you, okay, well, right now, I'm listening to the radio, but I'm still by myself. Can you do anything? Go ahead, Oh, Christina. absolutely. <laughs> really uh, quick. I do think, yeah, I would say try to find Uh-oh. something within your community. Could you volunteer on a day so that you are with people? Uh, there are nature scavenger hunts that you can Google online. And you can go for a walk, and it's kind of like bingo in nature, I love checking it. off boxes. Christina, I'm sorry and to interrupt you. It's been oh, amazing. Okay. We're out of time. Susie yeah. and Christina, thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to be here. Thank, thank you. For you. Having us.